Welcome to the first superhuman episode of Girls on Wheels, where I speak to those amazing people who ride amongst us about adversity they are facing and how bikes play a major part in getting through life. Today you will hear from the beautiful Bex. She was diagnosed with MS when she was 24 years old and the day after met Sean, who then became her boyfriend. Little did she know that Sean's passion for mountain biking would soon turn into her obsession and become instrumental in pulling her through the dark days and keeping the relapses at bay. It really is a story of the power of two wheels. But just before we do that, don't forget to head on over to the Girls on Wheels website and subscribe to the newsletter, where you can keep in the loop about upcoming guests and episodes and be in with a chance to get involved. And please give the pod a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Girls on Wheels Podcast. And check out the pod's number one supporter, Shawnee at Shred Lucky Girl. Now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Girls on Wheels Podcast. Um, today, I'm going to be talking to Bex. Um, hi, Bex. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. So Bex is part of the first like superhuman episode that I wanted to do on this podcast, where I talked to someone that despite adversity, they're still on their bike living, living their life. So Bex, you bravely got in touch with me on Instagram and offered to share your story around your diagnosis of MS. Um, so first of all, like, Thanks so much for reaching out and doing that and being brave. Um, yeah, it's a really, uh, when you when you sent me that message, I was just like, oh my God, like I felt, yeah, I was just so, I don't know what the word is, but just really, really grateful that you felt like, you know, you could, you could send me that message and offer that, um, yeah, offer to share your story. So massive, massive thank you. Thank you. I guess... It makes sense to begin at the start. Um and yeah, how did how did it all come about then? Like so it actually started, so I was diagnosed in 2020, um, but it had started three years prior to that. Um I I think I had a bit of an accident. I can't remember what happened, but below my knee I got this really strange sensation. So I went to the doctors and they said, Oh, I think it's just a trapped nerve, it's you know, it'll go away on its own. Um, and it did. And then the following year I had a similar thing, but it was my entire leg. I thought, this is strange. This happened last year. So I went back to the doctors and, you know, same thing again, it's a trap nerve. Then the following year, it was both of my legs. Um, I couldn't feel below my ribs. My fingers were numb, um, sort of around my lips. I had this, they call it an MS hug. Um, where it feels like somebody's hugging you really tightly and it stays like that um until the until the relapse is over so again went back to the doctors and said you you know you've got to listen to me there's something wrong this isn't it doesn't feel right um unfortunately this time I had a doctor who listened and said okay I'll, I'll send you for an MRI scan and go and speak to a neurologist and you know let them know what's going on and um, so I went and spoke to a neurologist and said, you know, do you think this could be MS? Because, I'd, you know, we all go to Dr. Google, don't we, and and diagnose oh, yeah. ourselves prior <laughs> to any appointments. Um, yeah. And he said, well, maybe, but, you know, we'll send you for an MRI scan and see what comes back. Um, and then they were going to send me for a lumbar puncture as well. And um, it showed um, on my spine 
that there was inflammation. And he said, okay, well, we're going to send you for another one, but more in depth. So we'll do your brain and your mm. spine. Um, and then I was, I was waiting for the results. And then, um, in between that time, the doctor rang and said, you know, we, we think it's highly likely it's MS, just given what we're, what we're seeing on your scans. Um, and then, yeah, right, uh, this was during COVID. So obviously I've, we weren't really having face-to-face appointments. And then I got a yeah. letter through the door that said, we can confirm you have multiple sclerosis. We want you to start treatment immediately or as soon as possible. Um, we don't need a lumbar puncture anymore as your MRI scans have confirmed that um, the diagnosis, basically. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it came about, really. and. That was that was Jeez. the that was the moment. It was yeah, we changed. I guess. Wow. Yes, I think that was that was quite hard. I would I would have rather had a phone call because um, seeing it in I still remember the letter and it was in bold and underlined saying you have multiple sclerosis and I was just thinking, oh my gosh, that's it's not really what I wanted to happen today. But I think I I already knew. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but when you actually read it, you just think, right, that's in black and white now. What where do we where do we go from here? Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you said that you'd done Doctor Google and you were sort of thinking, well, it's it's probably this, but I imagine there was a part of you that was like, nah, I've got it wrong, it's just something else. Yeah. Um what so when you open that letter, like you said, that's when everything changed. Like what, what are the first things that went through your head? Well, um, I think, I think perhaps a few people do this where you go instantly into denial and you sort of think, no, that's, yeah. that's not what's happening. And, and your mind almost wants to find anything else to distract you from, from what's just happened. So I'd, I just ordered this Chinese and I turned around. And seen the letter on the floor, and it's very distinctive letter. Um, hospital ones are, and I just thought, oh. And then I read it, and thought, well, I'm not hungry anymore, so that's my Chinese and movie night <laughs> gone. And I went upstairs, and I sat on my bed, and I just thought, right, what can I do? And so I'm, I'm quite tall, so I'm, I'm five foot eight, and um, I, I love heels, but I don't wear them because I think I'll look silly because I'm quite tall. So I sat on my bed yeah. and thought, right, I'm going to order some heels. And it, it was just the <laughs> bizarrest thought. I thought, oh, okay, let's just roll with it. So I sat most of the night ordering these heels. I actually still have a few of the pairs um, in my wardrobe, but <laughs> that was just automatically where my mind went to. And I think it was just such a strong sense of denial um, that I ended up buying heels and thinking well the worst thing that could have possibly happened to me sort of personally has just happened so why not walk around in heels yeah like sod thinking that you're too tall like that's um well it's not hilarious but it is hilarious because you know you're faced with some life-changing news and it's like where does your brain go I know I'm going to go and buy some shoes because I can't process this massive thing that I've just read like um 
I can relate to that in a sense like when I got my diagnosis for breast cancer um I went in on my own because I wasn't expecting it to be anything and as soon as I like they called me in the doctor went are you not with anyone and I thought oh fuck Um, and I sat down and then I, I like heard the words and I was like what um and then I think I, I like floated off and then I was like am I gonna lose my hair and am I gonna die like they were the you know the two major things that I thought initially and they were like no no yes no um and then my brain was ticking and I was like thinking hang on a minute I'm going to Glastonbury in a few <laughs> weeks and it was a bastard to get those tickets and I had a, a trip to the Alps booked, um, like the first time I was going to go on my bike. Uh, maybe that, maybe it was the universe saving me from dying on the bloody Alps. But <laughs> anyway, I was like, I remember saying, um, I mean, I was just, yeah, like, bewi- like, I just, I was floating around in this like different universe because I was like, I can't process this. And I remember saying to the nurse and the doctor, this is inconvenient. <laughs> and like, I actually said this is really inconvenient and I think fucking oh, ah like they must have thought is she nuts I actually discussed with them delaying my treatment so I could go to Glastonbury and go, go to the freaking Alps on my bike like obviously within like a week or two I, I realized the seriousness of what I was facing but yeah sort of I relate to that denial sort of stage all I was thinking about was hang on a minute I've got a summer of fun book I could do without this right now yeah um, just ruined it yeah and then can <laughs> I like for fuck's sake um but yeah so I, I, I was actually saying could you delay my dream and they were looking at me like oh bless her she hasn't got a clue what this means yet um but yeah it didn't take long for me to to realize I probably didn't need to be going to the Alps and Glastonbury was the last thing but but yeah, it's it's weird. I think sometimes people can think that you, you your whole world does implode, but also you're you you go into that denial, and then you, you yeah you're like oh I'm going to buy some shoes yeah because um, yeah you're just like I remember it, yeah I always used to like drift off and think about what I was going to eat yeah <laughs> be like what am I going to have for my dinner like I should be listening to all this serious stuff and but I'm like oh oh shit I forgot to get that out of the freezer or whatever um <laughs> yeah I think that's a, a a typical reaction to um some life-changing friggin news so what for anyone that's listening also for myself like what is MS like what is multiple sclerosis so it's it's basically uh, an autoimmune disease where your immune system mistakenly attacks what they call the myelin sheath that coats the nerves um, in your spine and around your brain. So obviously over time, the more that those nerves get damaged, the signals become um, kind of delayed. So if you if you see people okay. who have MS who are in quite advanced stages, they can be you know, sort of walking like they're in mud and it's because their legs feel heavy because the signal isn't getting yeah. through properly. So you don't have that smooth motion. Um, so it can cause a variety of symptoms, obviously, because it's your central nervous system and that controls everything in your body. It can be, you know, vision problems, brain fog, um, physical 
problems you know your arms your legs um sort of senses so your your fingers can go normal anywhere in your body um yeah so yeah that's it's it's a shame because it does affect everything and um the symptoms can vary so much between people that there's no sort of definitive diagnosis of well this is how you're going to be in five or ten years and because they just they just don't know no and I guess like how does that feel to know that you don't know it's I think in some ways it's good because you don't know so you you can't worry about something that might or might not happen yeah um, unfortunately for me, I had, I didn't have the best nurse. Um, first of all, she told me that in 15 years I'd be in a wheelchair. Um, oh my God. And this is only a few weeks after I was diagnosed. I was, um, I'd gone in to sort of have a consultation before starting treatment. And she was sort of saying, you know, look at all this damage. You know, you 15 years you'll be in a oh. wheelchair. And I was just sat there like, oh my gosh I didn't I didn't realize it was Cheers, that bad it's like I know I, I yeah. remember my sister picked me up and she was like oh how was it and I was just like I'm poorly like I'm, oh my gosh what am I gonna do and it's yeah I mean fortunately I've, I spoke to my neurologist and he said no that's not you know I, I wouldn't say that and I I look at your MRI scans and I know that there is damage yes but there's damage with everyone um Mm. so that was yeah that was that was quite hard to hear um but I know it's I know it's a worry yeah. and similarly to yourself with thinking am I going to lose my hair am I going to die the first thing people always think when they get diagnosed with MS is am I going to be in a wheelchair and then yeah you know when you actually look at statistics only 20% of people actually end up in a wheelchair um others have you know an aid a a walking stick or something like that but it's not it's not a high percentage as as you might think yeah but yeah faced with that like even that possibility must be wow it's so big it's like I bet you can't even put it into words because it's too big to process yeah I don't know if that's the same I think I think as well it's actually made me want to live life more because I yeah. I sort of have these these moments where I mean I'm only 27 but I think oh, I've, I've not got enough time left you know time's running out what oh. what am I going to do and you know I think having that that possibility of not being able to do these things at a younger age than say a, a perfectly able and healthy person you know, I spend every weekend just wanting to be out and doing everything I can in my spare time so that, you know, I, I'm always thinking I'm I'm living to the best of my ability until I reach a day when I, I might not be able to anymore. Yeah, and what, a, you know, what an incredible mindset to have um, because I think people might be listening to this and, they might be thinking, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be able to think like that. I'd just implode. I wouldn't be able to cope with it. I'd almost give up and just think, ah, oh, the worst is going to happen. Um, but I, I, from my experience, um, 
a lot of people said similar things to me but I do think that when you're in that and you're faced with it like something kicks in and you're just like right okay I've got a choice here I either let this take me um or I say no like I'm going to do everything that I can to yeah not let it take more than it needs to yeah um do you find though sometimes Bex that thinking like that that you've got to live and do stuff can get a bit exhausting yes because sometimes you're just like oh I don't want to do anything I just yeah. want to chill out <laughs> and then you have that like guilt complex where you're like but what happens if in x amount of years I can't do this um yeah do you feel that yeah absolutely but I've I think I've started appreciating those rest days now you know I'll yeah I'll sort of clock up things that I want to watch on the TV and think, oh, I can't wait to just sit in bed with a Domino's and just catch up on TV. And it's it's lovely yeah. because we go, you know, we'll go and do a 20 mile Peak District ride on a Saturday. And I'm so exhausted when we finish. I think, oh, that's lovely. I'm exhausted, but I've just been out, seen the most beautiful views. And now I can come home, have a shower and just relax the evening so it's a nice it's a nice balance yeah almost like guilt-free yeah you don't have to like respond to that feeling of oh you got to do everything you can whenever you can because one day you might not be able to like trying to live like that 24 7 is just it it's unfair I can't say that word but yeah it's it's not sustainable is it um but yeah so obviously this is a mountain bike podcast and you've referred to there about getting out on your bike in the peaks so how does how has yeah how did you get into mountain biking let's start there um how how is that now part of your life so I um so I met my now boyfriend Sean and he was a really key mountain biker when I met him and um, a few months into us being together, he went out with his friend. Um, I can't remember where they went, but they were doing these jumps. And I was just sort of sat on the sidelines in, in awe thinking, wow, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to do something like that. And I used to do a bit of road cycling, but never mountain biking. And, um, and he said to me one day, why don't you, you know, get a bike and, and give it a go? So we went um, to, I think it was like Go Outdoors or something something like that anyway and we got a boss nut and um so I'd had an accident mm. on my road bike so I was just terrified of getting back on one unfortunately we've got some woods across the road from ours so he he basically became my coach and and trained me and you know not being scared of the bike anymore and and it's just yeah. built up from there, really. And, and now it's just completely taken over our lives. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did you meet Sean? And like, was it before you'd got diagnosed? Was it after? Like, how did... It was the day after the with that? I'd got diagnosed. I the, met him. What, for the first time? Yep. So um, I'd been sort of on a online dating um website and we'd been messaging and we was actually meant to meet um the day before we did when I got diagnosed uh, but we decided the day after 
and um yeah but I remember we went for this this lovely walk um around Shipley Park and then he invited me back to his for dinner and cooked for me and then um, yeah. I know I thought oh that's a good one <laughs> that's a good start <laughs> <laughs> he's a keeper uh, definitely yeah and then um and I just remember sitting there thinking oh gosh I, I really like this guy I you know I'm really enjoying his company I think I'm gonna have to I'm just gonna have to tell him because if this goes further then you know I, I don't want it to be such a shock I'd rather it be his choice beforehand uh, whether he wants to be a part of this yeah. um and and yeah I just said to him I'd, I need to tell you something I was diagnosed with MS yesterday and he just looked at me and he was like oh and I'm sure he said to me I'm sure he said are you gonna die I was like no no I'm not I'm just like it's not it's not anything like that um but uh, yeah I don't I don't really know where it's gonna go from here I'm, I'm starting treatment in a few weeks and um and yeah and he was he was fine with it so yeah that was that was very wow very fortunate yeah and like you know fair play that the day after you know you found out that news that you were like yeah I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on this first date yeah (laughs) fuck it um but yeah god we worry don't we as girls like oh god we don't want to be too heavy or say like too many things on a first date like god I know I think all coming out with that bit I think all that went through my head was baggage (laughs) That's yeah. I'm walking in here with suitcases, like you know, this, this is what's going on. You're gonna have to take it or leave it. A full-on trolley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah full-on trolley oh, with like. Oh my god. Um, I'm just gonna. Bex, I can hear myself echoing. Okay. Um, I don't. Can you hear me echoing? No, I can hear you fine. Let me just, I wonder if it's going to do it again. I don't know if it's when I speak loud, but occasionally I'm hearing myself echo. Are we getting too excited? Maybe it's okay. Well, it should be okay. No, I can't hear it again, so sod it. I'm not going to take this out of the podcast either, so (laughs) people can be like, what's she rambling on about? But yeah, um, (laughs) I bet you were like, oh, hi, it's really nice to meet you. My name's Bex, and by the way, yesterday, this happened. But, you know, it's... Fair play. And I oh, know that's it. I can hear myself again. Right. Okay. So we've had, well, I've had a bit of a technical glitch and I was echoing, but I think it's okay. Yes. I can't hear my annoying voice back at me. <laughs> um, so we were in the middle of, yes, you had got your diagnosis via letter. Yeah. Yeah. Great letter. Um, and then the next day you carried on and went on your first date with Sean, who was your now boyfriend. Um, and he is the one that got you into mountain biking. So, and I'm right in saying you live in the Peak District, don't you? Yes. Well, yeah, just sort of outside of it. Um, but we spend most weekends there now doing long rides and just getting out as much as we can. Yeah. Um, you mean, Oh, it's such a beautiful place up there, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, big, big rides. I remember going up there. I think it was the first no second time maybe I rode there but 
we got lost. We ended up doing 36 miles. Oh, um, nice. Some pe- I know some people that will be listening to this, like Pauline. Um, she came with one bottle of water and no snacks. It was meant to be like a 20 miler. And we got lost into 36 miles and it was a very oh. hot day. And I'm not quite sure how we didn't perish, to be honest, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And if anyone's listening, like, you know, don't, you know, be a bit more prepared than we were. But yeah, that was, it's just so beautiful there, isn't it? It's, it you just is. feel like, you're, you're, yeah, you're in the middle of the wilderness and it's, oh, it's just so beautiful. Um, So how does biking, like, oh, right. I've got to stop saying like. That's going to be my mission now for the rest of this to not say the word like because I hear myself back and I'm, I nearly said it. <laughs> it's going to be so hard. I'll probably say it another million times. But yeah, how how does mountain biking play a part in your life now in terms of MS? Well, it's so I, I had a. Um, phone call with my nurse recently um because I, I had treatment a few weeks ago and it was really nice to hear because she said we can't tell you to do anything more than you are because you're staying so active you know you're eating right and you know you're as you're as fit as you you can be essentially um so mountain biking for me is just the best thing that I can do because I I enjoy it it keeps me really active and um, it just takes your mind off of everything because to me, you know, when you're in the Peak District, you can't think about anything else other than, well, firstly, I don't want to fall off, so I need to concentrate. Yeah. And how stunning the scenery is. So yeah. it's, you know, it's it's just like, you know, you have a hard week at work and then you go and ride and you just think everything's, everything's okay because all I can think about is where I am kind of at that moment in time yeah it's a complete escape isn't it yeah yeah and yeah even with like the biggest things on your mind it's so difficult to think about those things when you're on your bike because like you say you don't want to fall off um you're surrounded by absolute beauty that changes all the time and there's there's stuff that takes you yeah takes your mind away so it's just yeah it's such a good escape isn't it and interesting then that your nurse has said that you're doing everything like as much as you can yeah that must feel I get reassuring yeah yeah I think it is because I mean I've I've been on treatment now for for two years I think the most recent one was was number six um and you know I'm I'm feeling well and um well I'm actually I'm two years relapse free so you know I'm I'm doing something right and although I think probably a majority of that is is down to the treatment because it is so aggressive I think there is a, is a part of it that's because I have such an active lifestyle and I'm I'm much happier now especially since meeting Sean as well I do I do owe a lot to him um as, as soppy as that sounds but I do oh. and um and yeah, I just think you know, let's let's keep going and see how many years relapse free we can we can go. Yeah. So what what do, I've got two questions there. Like, what what is the treatment for MS, and what what does a relapse like look like? So um, 
so as I described earlier when I said about sort of I couldn't feel below my ribs and and things like that that is essentially a relapse because there's there's new damage kind of occurring or even old scars that are inflamed um but relapses I think are defined as as new symptoms um, right. But it, it can last from anything from a few days to I think mine lasted about six weeks. Oh and it was God. it was so tiresome towards the end of it. I was thinking, you know, I just I just want to be able to feel my legs and not feel like my whole body is is such a heavy weight. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was frustrating. And then my treatment um, is an aggressive immunosuppressive monoclonal antibody <laughs> if you can wrap your head it's around that one you shorten it to anything yeah so basically it's it's an immunosuppressive treatment um so it sticks to your b cells um which are the ones that send signals to your T cells to go and fight infections, you know, and you're poorly. But the issue is mine are sending that signal to go and attack me when they shouldn't be. Um, right. So it's essentially it sticks to those cells, pops them, and then is like a, a clone in its place. Um, and okay. it just keeps your immune system nice and low, um, which is a bit frustrating sometimes because it means that you pick up illnesses quite quick and your body can't then fight them. Um, but it's certainly better than the MS getting worse. So you have to you have to take the good with the bad. Yeah, it, almost like it's shit, but it's not as shit as it could be. And yeah. I relate to that in terms of some of the treatment that I had and some of the choices that you're faced with. It's not like a good or bad choice. It's a shit or shitter choice. Um, yes. There was no, yeah, there was no, there's no good or bad. It's not opposing like that. It's either you deal with the fact you're going to catch every single germ or suffer the relapses perhaps more yeah commonly so you have to yeah take the hit and be like okay well obviously I'd rather be well but risk getting poorly um what is how do they give you that treatment then is it through uh, intravenous or uh, are you, yeah. like through your veins yeah <laughs> yeah so I go in every six months which isn't too bad to be fair um and it takes about three or four hours um okay. but it does it does really knock you and although over, over time the more I have it I'm, I'm bouncing back quicker you do you do feel quite dreadful for about a week afterwards um but it's it's fine and I do you know, they, they say to me every time, don't get caught up on the steroid high, as they call it, because, you know, you'll feel great for 24 hours. And then once the steroids are out of your system, you're going to drop. And every time, you know, I say to, I say, sure, I'm like, oh, let's go, let's, let's go riding. You know, I feel great. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'll be fine this time. And, you know, he just sort of says, no, you're going to bed because tomorrow you're going to feel dreadful. And and I do, but I'm just always in that frame of mind of let's just go out and do something, you yeah. know. Let's let's just go have fun. <laughs> steroids. I had to take steroids. Oh my god, do they make you feel bananas? I was up at three o'clock in the morning sorting my wardrobes out. <laughs> like my mind would come alive at like three AM yep. and I'd be like doing like budget 
sorting out drawers that I haven't looked at for like 10 years but I just <laughs> like be wired like absolutely wired and you feel like amazing and then yeah, yeah then, then it lures you into this false <laughs> sense of security doesn't it because then yeah. you're like boom you just like completely crash yeah um, I don't know about you Bex but I I mean I'm a little pig anyway when it comes to food I've always got snacks and stuff but I had the, I was like a ravenous yeah dog like it, whenever a meal was in front of me it would be like <laughs> oh my god it's gonna get taken away and I would literally inhale it I remember once my sister had maybe this like really nice healthy lunch thing and I literally I, I didn't I used a knife and fork I think <laughs> but I shoveled it in my mouth at a rate of knots like I do eat quickly anyway but she was like Jesus dad I was like I'm so hungry I'm so hungry <laughs> they do I don't know if you get that like that starvation feeling yeah so yeah. I have I have two breakfasts before I go. I have one at the house, and then Sean <laughs> takes me to McDonald's. Um, I I say it's it's to line my stomach. Like I have to. I don't need two. Yeah. I only need one. But um, yeah. and then when I have them, and we come out, I'm just like, right, let's get McDonald's. And then a few hours later, <laughs> let's get something else. And then yeah. a few days after, it's just it's almost animalistic how you feel. You just want it to is. eat everything <laughs> yeah really quick really quickly yeah. like with your hands <laughs> like an animal like yeah. you're never going to be able to eat again yeah I'm so glad that wasn't just me because I thought because for me everyone's like oh you might you're gonna lose your appetite and I was like oh okay I didn't I was <laughs> picking out when I was actually in the hospital getting chemo I was like I'm hungry <laughs> eating like a pig with all that going yep. in my body I, I did not lose my appetite at all. I mean, obviously, I wasn't disappointed with that bit. Yeah, I thought people were like, oh, you're going to be off your food. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> the opposite. Give me, give me more food. But yeah, it's interesting that you've experienced that with steroids and like that animalistic ravenous. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, you get hungry and people get hangry, don't they? But this is like another level. This is yeah. like hangry on steroids, literally. Yeah, because. You literally, it's like you could kill for a meal. Like, <laughs> and also I, I found that I was absolutely fine. I was full, you know, whatever. And then within a split second, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm starving. <laughs> it is. It's almost, like a, it's, like, it's almost like a panicky feeling. You think I'm like, I need yeah. food and I need it like now. Yeah, or I'm going to die if I don't yeah. eat it. <laughs> oh man yeah and then you get that crash and then I guess you're out of the game for what you said about a week yeah and then yeah and during that week you know where how is that how how do you cope with that week of feeling there I think it's I, I never stop feeling frustrated even though I've had it so many times I just you know I, I still go to work and you know I'm sat at work and I can feel myself nodding off and then I come home and I'm in bed by six o'clock and it's you know I always say you know I'm three or four days in and like I should have bounced back by now you know I should feel better by now and then I think you know your body's just really been hit hard you've got to give it time to you know process what you're 
essentially doing to it um so I think for me it's just thinking you know you, you'll feel okay again it's it's all right and even now I've, I mean I had it three weeks ago and I don't feel I don't feel 100% but I'm, I'm getting there and you know I'm still feeling frustrated and I'm you know I'm trying to go to the gym at work and thinking okay I'm not I'm not quite ready for four days a week at the gym um yeah you know that's okay because I know that in a few weeks I'll be I'll be fine again Hey, it's me. Just a cheeky little interruption here to remind you to go over to the website and sign up to the newsletter. Give me a follow on socials at Girls on Wheels podcast. And if you're enjoying this, head over to podchaser.com and leave me a raving review as it helps me so much. And I really appreciate it. Now back to the episode. Yeah. And I think it takes a real strong mindset to go in for treatment again and again knowing what it does to you but I guess knowing that in the bigger picture it allows you five months or so of feeling like well it's worth it but even even that I think it's very very difficult to go and do something that you know is going to make you feel shit yeah um because yeah, you don't you don't want to, you know it's doing good for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you want it. Yeah, because yeah. you don't ask, you you haven't asked for this, have you? You haven't asked to no, facing all this not. all this extra stuff that you know adulting is hard enough as it is, isn't it? And then yeah. you're contending with yeah a disease and drugs in your body that do X, Y, and Z, and the uncertainty and um. Yeah, it's like that extra, extra layer of internal shite that goes through your head that I, yeah. I guess people won't realise because it's an invisible illness, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if you know you're you're on your mountain bike, you're going to work, people could think, "Well, Bex is all right. Look at her; she she looks really well. She's yeah. this doing this, she's doing that. Must be fine." Whereas I guess you don't see the yeah it's not it's not obvious what what you're having to do and what you're constantly thinking about um in terms of you know your daily life is is there stuff that can trigger your symptoms um it's stuff that you try and avoid or in this like period between treatment can you just live as normally as possible how does that work so i sleep for me I think is the biggest trigger if I, if I don't sleep well I just know that the next day I'm, I'm not going to feel right my vision will be a bit off and um so my left leg is actually a little bit weaker than my right um so that I can feel that it's almost a constant ache um mm. that I have and I just think okay I've, I've not slept well it's it's fine you know I'll, I'll go home I'll get more sleep and then tomorrow I feel a bit better um and then it's just you know trying to eat quite well it's I mean that's that's good for everyone um I mean we yeah. still have takeaways because you you just you have to enjoy life but you know having a, a good diet because you need you know if you're eating rubbish your body will feel rubbish um mm. so it's trying to keep up with that and and yeah, I think there's always there's always a constant reminder 
in in the way that I feel but I try I try to use that you know to to spur me on and think you know it's okay just remember why you're at the gym at lunch when you could be sat doing nothing or you know when I'm I'm doing these peak district rides and I'm getting tired and I just think but but look how far you've come like look what you're doing you know even though even though you've got MS you're out in the peak district riding 20 miles and, and you're exhausted but you've you've done it and you still can do it yeah and that's incredible isn't it and I guess having that challenge like with mountain biking because there's always a challenge with it isn't it it's yeah it's like a a really good way to show yourself that your body is incredible and yeah it yeah you you surprise yourself I guess because yeah you're in the middle of the peak district and you're like look at me go yes what where do you think you would be if you didn't have like mountain biking in your life because it you know it sounds like Sean had just come into your life you've you've found out that it is MS you've met him the next day but what where do you think it would have gone if you hadn't have like met Sean and you hadn't have been introduced to biking I think I think I would have perhaps declined not not drastically but you know at the moment I'm I'm probably the fittest I've I've ever been and you know like I said I can I can do these rides and every time I feel stronger and I think if I didn't have the biking that it would it would affect me more because you know your muscles aren't you know getting stronger and you you know you're not getting fitter and although you can you know I really enjoy hiking and I'd probably still be doing that it's not it's not as exciting as mountain biking yeah. And I just think both mentally and physically, it's it's one of the best things that you can do. Yeah. What how does it what does it do for you for your mental health? It keeps me it keeps me occupied and that's that's the best thing that I can do. You know, when we're you know, looking forward to going to a bike park at the weekend or we're going to the Peak District or even just going shopping for new mountain bike stuff. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm you can't think about anything else and I always think you know I'm I'm okay if I'm mountain biking because if I'm on my bike and I'm riding it means I'm fit and I'm healthy and I'm well and I think that's what keeps me in a really positive mindset because I think if I didn't have that I'd always be worried about oh is, is this because of my MS or am I just not fit enough or so yeah I think it it's a it's a distraction that's much needed yeah and I guess the the physical benefits of being bike fit are amazing aren't they yeah you're you you know it's you get strong and your lung capacity increases and you just feel like great when you're bike fit and yeah I can relate to that because I'd got like the fittest and strongest I ever had been in my life just before I was diagnosed. And I still say to this day that if I hadn't have found mountain bike in the six months before, I'm not sure I would have tolerated the treatment like I did. Um, yeah. And like you, it was such a big distraction for me and a focus point. So knowing that I was going in for treatment, I'd think, right, when I'm better, I'm going to go and ride my bike here. The distraction of looking on 
chain reaction cycles or whatever yeah. and you know oh I need this I need that um it's it's like a focus isn't it and it's fun and it's yeah it's you sort of think god what what would I have been doing if I didn't have the bike to focus on I mean yeah. I certainly think that um sounds like it's the same for you and how amazing that it's do you, would you say that it's like a big part of your therapy and your recovery from treatment and yeah yeah definitely we um we we went for a bike ride um after I'd had treatment the the time before and I think it was only about a week later and we thought we'll just go for a little bike ride you know around, around Carsington and then that became longer we sort of went off off trail and Sean's fantastic with his navigation and you know he can just go anywhere and um and the the ride just got longer and longer and before you know it we're we're three hours in and um and we got home and I just thought go me I've just had treatment a week ago and I've absolutely smashed that ride so you know this is proof that I'm, I'm bouncing back quicker and you know it's it's just it's just great I just think I can't wait to get back on and and start getting starting getting fitter again yeah and that that sense of accomplishment just wonders for your mental health doesn't it because yeah as I was saying before it's like a physical thing that you can see and feel like you're not just making it up that oh I feel a bit better you're like Jesus I've I've had treatment and I've now just done a three-hour bike ride like I am, you know, look, wow, look at my body. It is, it was capable of that. Um, I think that's what I love about biking as well is you just, you go beyond your limits, don't you? You sort of can say to yourself at your house, oh, you know, even when you're not poorly like me now, for example, I think I can't be asked today. And then, you know, you're on your bike for five hours and you want to do more, but you couldn't because it was dark. And you're like, wow, like, I don't know, you just, you can just push yourself and I think that's key and it's a great example where you know it's helping you get through some some you know what life has thrown at you and yeah thank god like for the dating app and for that connection (laughs) I'm sure you guys have spoke about this so much but I would be like oh my god like I'm so glad that we met and that you you'd gone into denial phase yeah. Um, because maybe if your date was like a week or two later you'd have gone into oh shit oh yeah. I can't think about a relationship but because you're in like new denial stage oh, yeah. I'm gonna buy some heels and I'm gonna go on my first date like <laughs> anything's <it> was, possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was perfect timing almost because you didn't really know what what was coming and um I just think that's so nice that you guys are, are together and that yeah, he introduced you to biking. I'm sure you guys have spoke about that. Um, when you got in touch with me, you said that you really wanted to share your story um, because you wanted to change the stigma around MS and people that are diagnosed with it. So, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's more, um, so for people who were sort of diagnosed 20 years ago they didn't have you know the treatment that we have available now so they are 
you know, unfortunately in, in quite advanced stages. Um, and I think because people see that more frequently, perhaps than they see people like me, they're, it creates this stigma of people who have MS, you know, walk with walking sticks and are in wheelchairs and are quite poorly. And I think it's just, you know, saying that we can, you know, we can do these amazing things. And, you know, it's, it's sad that some people do end up quite, um, quite progressed. But, you know, there was us that just keep going. I know um, Andy McKenna, he's he's just such an inspiration and you know yeah. he he does it without treatment and I think you know go you for being so incredibly brave um and he's like still out on his bike and you know he takes incredible photos and of all these places that he goes to so I think even even not so much just MS but anybody who's got an illness or a disability there's always the opportunity for you to you know do something that makes you feel incredible like mountain biking does with me yeah that's so true I am um, didn't realize that Andy McKenna wasn't having any treatment he is um he's mad I, I I watched that um YouTube interview with Nils with the Riders Resilient Riders Resilience and yeah you just like oh my god and hearing stories like that and people like that you think what what is my excuse like why aren't why am I being a sloth like (laughs) get out yeah Um, although I'm looking out my window it is grim it is I mean I mean I haven't been on a bike for a bit but as people are saying are you riding on Sunday and I'm like not if the weather's like this no I, I don't know whether I'm just going to rule out January for riding my bike because I don't want to go out in this rain, this cold rain. Like, no. I'm, I'm happy in my warm, cosy house, but maybe <laughs> I'll push myself. Um, but, yeah, our oh, Bex, like, yeah, it's incredible. And I think it shows what your body is capable of and – that you've got something here in mountain biking that is is doing so good. Do you ever feel like you go into comp comp competition with yourself? Um, yes. Yeah. You, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah. So frequently, I. You know, I. So we're obviously being at the Peak District. You ride uphill a lot. <laughs> That's a lot yeah. of climbing. <laughs> there is, and I just. Um, the ride we went on before I had treatment so it was a week before and I was thinking I want to do a really good ride you know I want to I want to show myself what I can do before I can't ride for a little while and we went on this ride and there was so much climbing but I was just doing it I wasn't stopping as much as I was Mm. as much as I used to and I'd been hitting the gym at work and even Sean said he was like you've got fit it's like you you know you weren't (laughs) you weren't stopping like you you That's just awesome. got up and he was like and these are steep hills and I was just thinking oh yes like let's carry on with that like how how much further can we go and then we we reach a point on our rides where Sean will sort of say right if we go this way it'll extend the ride however many miles if we go this way it'll drop us down and we can go back to the car and I'm just always yeah let's just keep going like let's just see how far we can go but he does 
bless him he knows more than I do we'll get to a point where he's like you're tired you know we, we need to stop we need to go home <laughs> yeah you'd be going till like the death you're yeah like, come on <laughs> keep going I'd just be like, pulling my bike seven hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah yeah it it's that competition isn't it and in your head you're like no I'm not stopping I'm I'm going to carry on. It's like, it's like you have two voices, isn't it? That yeah. One's, oh, you know, you should take it easy. You had treatment last week or or whatever. And then there's the other voice like, I'm going to beat you. And yeah. You, yeah, you, you, you push it. And that feeling, that sense of accomplishment, I think, is amazing. For, for anyone that rides, for whatever reason, that beating your, your brain and your body, like in your case after treatment, is is awesome and what was I gonna say ah what would you say to someone that is has been newly diagnosed or that they think that they're gonna like get a diagnosis like what would your advice be I think my advice would be to just go through the motions because it's to me it almost felt similar to grief that you go through, you know, the anger, the denial, the, you know, the blaming, the what ifs. So I think if, if somebody was newly diagnosed, say it's okay to feel everything that you're going to feel and you might not ever accept it. I don't, I don't think I ever will, to be honest. I think I'll always be um, in denial, but then I, I would also probably encourage them to find something you know, not necessarily mountain biking, although it is amazing. Um, mm. Just find something that's going to make you feel like you're not defined by two letters because it's not, yeah. it's a part of you, yes, but it's also a part of you that's going to spur you on to realise how amazing life is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think just go with, just go with that and just you know it's it's going to be okay and it's going to be tough but you know just just try and find something that's going to going to help you get through it like buying heels <laughs> yeah I'm going on a first date the next day yeah <laughs> get dating get, get yeah. the heels on okay yeah go and spend all your money on mountain bike stuff why not <laughs> yeah why the bloody hell not um I guess it's changed your perspective then on life. Yeah, massively. It's um, it's it's just made me realise that in I guess in in a sad way we don't have a huge amount of time, mm. and and to me I don't you know I don't worry about money. I don't worry about the little what I see as you know kind of little things. I just think I just want to live life as much as I can and you know if if that means going out every weekend and sometimes exhausting myself then i think i'm just going to i'm just going to do it because i i worry more about things i don't do um yeah because i just i just panic and think you know i need to be i need to be living as much as i can um and it makes it exciting because it's almost yeah you know, like letting go of the of the reins and you know everything anything's possible if you if you want to go somewhere just just go you know and, and yeah. enjoy it yeah we can get so caught up can't we in 
I mean, I'm 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 guilty of this. Despite the perspective I've got from things, I can be guilty of going, oh no, that's gonna I'm gonna have to fill my van up with diesel again. <laughs> I mean, I guess sometimes money is a consideration. I'm a little bit like ridiculous with it sometimes um, because of that attitude like fuck it <laughs> life's too short oh shit who's gonna pay that overdraft <laughs> yeah I'm still here I've got to, got to pay. but yeah you can get caught up talk yourself out of things can't you sometimes and yeah yeah it, it can be quite freeing when you do get that perspective but like I said at the start I mean for me personally living in that frame of mind 24 7 is completely exhausting yeah um, because sometimes like you know I'm looking out the window and I'm like no nah, I don't want to go on my bikes it's pissing it down I can't be asked. um and yeah I think yeah sometimes people can I know when I first got I had all the shit kick off they were like oh have you got this mad perspective on life now where you're like life's too short and I'm like well no not yet because I'm in survival mode and even now a few years on yeah, I guess the perspective has changed and I have got it, but I'm still a normal person. So I'll still, I still can get hung up on little things, you know, still sometimes can't be asked to do things um, because I guess we're human and that's normal. But yeah, I just think it's in- incredible that it sounds like you're, you channel everything into like a, I hate the word positive. I don't like be positive because people <laughs> throw it at me. The toxic positivity, they threw it at me. And it's like, just be positive. Being positive is not going to fucking help me get over a chemo. Like, fuck off. Got nothing to do with positivity. Um, but yeah, I just think it. <laughs> sorry. I'm like, got all. <laughs> I don't think they'll use that as a quote in the future. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't see it. <laughs> no. But yeah, like having, yeah, you know, being able to use that like the way you are is really, like I'm in awe of you because I'm sitting here thinking, oh God, I should, should maybe not worry about some of the stuff that I worry about or like make excuses and think oh no I don't want to go to the Peak District it's 100 miles away that's going to cost me x amount in diesel but actually I'd have the most amazing day um yeah maybe that's a little lesson for me to start getting a bit of a grip <laughs> but mind you the cost of diesel is redonkulous isn't it oh just it is I think angry. in some circumstances you're allowed to sort of think oh yeah that is that is a bit much but yeah, I, I sort of think even if I go somewhere and I don't enjoy it, it's still a story to tell. That's yeah. The, you know, Sean and I have ended up in some places where we've been a bit like, oh, perhaps we won't get out of the car this time, but at least we've got a story <laughs> to tell. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a bad day on my bike. Well, yeah, I, I probably have had a few. I remember getting a couple of punctures and it being a bit of a nightmare, but... Yeah, like you say, it's still a story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, thank, honestly, Bex, like, thank you so much for sharing all of this and answering some of my questions because I am, you know, I, I didn't really know about MS or what that really meant because 
I've, I don't have anyone in my life that has been touched by it. And I guess you don't really know things, do you? Um, unless, yeah. you know, they've happened to someone close to you. So thank you so much for talking about it all and sharing it all. And I'm sure that people that are listening to this as well will, you know, have taken something away from it um, and be more aware of it. So thank you. And yeah, I imagine that you will be inspiring a lot of people because you've inspired me and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass because <laughs> I do think, yeah, I should just, yeah, not, not, not worry about some of these little stupid things. Um, so thank you. I really, really appreciate it. That's okay. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, I haven't finished yet because I've got some quick fire questions just to finish off um, that I like to ask everybody. Okay. So now pretend Sean's not listening, but who is your <laughs> mountain bike crush? Don't listen, Sean. <laughs> I would say Giatherton. Because mm, okay. not only is he nice looking, but he's probably the most incredible mountain biker I think I've ever seen. Oh. If you watch that, I'm sure everyone has that video of him crashing. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, Mamie, I, I couldn't watch it all. I was like, I don't want to see that. And I just think, oh, the, the family must have just been, I know they're posting it. Everyone's seen that now, but I bet his family were like, oh, my God, is he okay? Like, yeah, is he actually alive? Because that was, oh, it was horrific. Um. At the bike show, just going on a bit of a digression here, at the bike show in Birmingham, I was with Shawnee, Shred Like a Girl, and Jess. Um, who else was there? There was a couple of us. And, oh, Olivia, um, Andy. Anyway, we were all talking at Shawnee's stall, and it was opposite the Atherton stall. Um, you know, and we, G was there, and we are all like, oh, my God, oh, my God, whispering. <laughs> you know, just being fangirls or whatever. And then... We sort of were chatting amongst ourselves and then we turned around and then G was stood there. And we were all like, oh. and you know, oh my God. literally, I don't know. I think we all went weird. We were all trying to be normal, but we all went a bit weird. But yeah, he was chatting to us and he's so down to earth. And I'm sure he was, I'm sure he's used to people being a bit like, oh my God. But, oh, I was, I don't even know what I said. I think we all went a bit like odd. <laughs> And it's so embarrassing because you think, oh, no, I'll be really cool, like, when I <laughs> yeah. meet someone. But you're just like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and then, like, you think you're laughing, but you're laughing too hard. And then you're like, oh, my God, am I being one of those girls that are like, ah! <laughs> even though it's, they haven't even said anything funny. But, yeah, he's um, he's a nice guy. And, yeah, he was chit-chatting to us. And I think we were trying to get him to – we were all going to Dovey Bike Park, and we were trying to get him – to get Rachel to come and ride with us. <laughs> he was probably like, oh God, here they are, trying it on again. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I appreciate that crush. Okay, where is your favourite place to ride? Oh, I think Bike Park Wales. Because that, yeah. that was the first place, well, it was the first bike park I went to. Um, but I'd had all this coaching um, from Sean. And I rode there, and it's the first time I felt like a mountain biker. I thought, this oh, is really? this is brilliant. This is my new home. <laughs> what trails were you doing? 
So we did, we started on, I think it's Kermit. It's a green one. I love that one. So flowy and so long. That got my confidence up. Then we started, I think we did every blue. Um, Pop's pink was really fun, actually. And then we did a couple of the reds. Um, And I just thought, this is brilliant. Like, this is so much fun. And I think we're going to go up again um, this year. Well, no, we will be going up again this year. And um, I just I just can't wait. And I'll be on my new bike as well. So that'll be even more fun. Oh, you've got a new bike? I have. I've got a Trek slash eight. So oh, cool. When did I you know, get that? Um, I got it, I think it was in November. So I've not ha- really had a chance to ride it properly yet. I've took it out a few times, but I need to get it to a proper bike park and see what it can yeah. do. Yeah, I think Bike Park Wales is good because the trails are so long, aren't they? So yeah. you can, I know they've got like the fire road in the middle, but they're long enough that you can get into your flow and that you really feel like, you know, you're leaning your bike over in the berms yeah. and you're, you're taking off when in reality you're probably not. But I think because of the length of the trails and yeah, those flowy ones are just amazing, aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, I love Kermit. Kermit is it Kermit is a great trail okay would you ever get a mountain bike tattoo or have you already got one no so I'm actually in the process of having my tattoos removed and it is extremely painful so I'd I wouldn't get any more I don't think (laughs) no not if you're going through a removal fair enough and if you could wave a wand and have a skill like given to you in that moment like mountain bike skill what would it be um speed I love I love going fast and every time I'm on a flowy trail I just want to be faster and faster um so yeah definitely speed speed yeah yeah I I'm sure you do it as well where you think you're going really fast and someone's recorded (laughs) you and then you watch the video and you're like why is it in slow motion it's not it's it's real life, but you you think that you were going at like a thousand miles an hour, yeah. And you're like, da, 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 da. like riding with a basket <laughs> yeah. on the front of your bike. Um. <laughs> okay, would you? Do you? Would you wear pants under padded shorts? No. Uh, sorry. Yes, I do. Um, it's because so when I had my cycling accident when I used to road cycle. I landed on the crossbar and Ow. had yeah um, seven stitches in that <gasps> very intimate area. Um, so I will have as much padding as possible because I will not go through that again. <laughs> oh my god! I wonder how many people are crossing their legs now and wincing Honestly. because that's what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, I still geez. do now thinking about it and it was I, I waddled into the hospital and um and the receptionist turned around to me and goes oh have you just had a baby it's like no <laughs> I've had a bike up my feet <laughs> I just given birth to a bike I need a doctor and stitches <laughs> so oh, oh honestly your dignity goes oh. in an instant <laughs> Oh, um, Shawnee put a post out yesterday saying about it's my ride and I'll cry if I want to and getting everyone to tell their stories about when they've cried on their bike. Um, And one girl said that she like fell off or whatever. She 
whacked herself she had to have stitches and she now calls it her mingery (laughs) (laughs) I was like that's brilliant but I read that and I was like ow just oh okay okay I can understand why you would want to wear as much as you could okay fair (laughs) enough Oh, God, I'm still crossing my legs, Beth. <laughs> so am um, I. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'd have literally polystyrene tubes around my, like, crossbar and my headset if I'd ever done that, just in case. Yeah. My dad I... did. He fitted a poly- polystyrene tube on the crossbar <laughs> after I'd done it. And I thought, do you think I'm riding that bike or any bike ever again? <laughs> Yeah. oh mate oh well fair play for going back on a mountain bike yeah despite that um okay when someone does something good on their bike and you're watching what is your go-to heckle I think I'm just I'm quite typical I just be like yeah <laughs> I don't think I ever yeah, go to nor- yeah just normal <laughs> just normal so you don't ruin people's like Sean's mountain bike videos with some like weird noise no because he's very particular about how he likes his videos so I just just stay nice and quiet (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bugger for um yeah getting a bit overexcited and then making like a weird noise and a weird voice and then it's completely ruined the you know the gnarly mountain bike video because there's a girl going it's a bit weird um what would be a tip for a new person getting into mountain biking Um, I'd say just try and build yourself up slowly and just remember that any progress is progress. And, you know, you're going to have those days where you just think, I I can't do this, but, you know, at least you've got out and done it. So just, just remember it's, it's okay to just take your time and you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Be patient with yourself. I think that's great advice. Okay. And Last but by no means least, if a squid made a noise, what would that noise be? I imagine, I think I'm going to have to bring the arms in here, but I imagine it would be something like... (laughs) (laughs) My voice went then, so that did sound very great, but it'd be something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I wish, maybe one day I will record videos, um, like record the video of this, because it's so funny watching people like do that do the arms and and get into it um I wonder if squids make noises I'm going to ask my friend Charlotte who's a marine biologist and oh wow uh, that's interesting oh she's got an amazing job we love it but she actually catches squids and like teaches her students about all like the marine life and oh I see honestly I'm like can I be a student and pretend and just come on your like courses with you Yeah. yeah I wonder if they do make a noise um I will ask her. Anyway, thank you again, Bex. I really appreciate it. And I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you about all this. Um, And I hope to see you soon for a ride. We'll have to organise something. You can take me round the peaks and put me to shame on the hills. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be nice. Um, But yeah, thanks so much, Bex. I really appreciate you sharing everything. It's all right. Thank you to you too for having me. Oh, you're welcome.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Girls on Wheels. If you enjoyed it, please head over to podchaser.com and leave me a review. And don't forget to tell all your mates. If you've got any comments or want to get in touch, head over to my socials and drop me a message as I love hearing from you guys. I hope that by listening to this today, it's made you want to get out and ride your bike.